All right. Welcome to Newsmax Daily for Tuesday, July 18th, 2023. No, I didn't win the Powerball either. And the jackpot is now going to be over a billion dollars. So get ready for that. I meant to mention this yesterday, but over the weekend, I started seeing back to school ads already. I hate that. I'm not even in school and I hate that. Give the kids a break. Geez, let them enjoy their summer. Everything is pushed so fast. Once they go back to school, we'll start seeing all this Halloween stuff. Not only is today the first day of the rest of your life, it is also Nelson Mandela International Day, marking the life and accomplishments of the anti-apartheid leader and former president of South Africa. A day to move towards making the world a better place. Thus, the first day of the rest of your life. On the food calendar, today is National Caviar Day, which has long been a symbol of elegance and wealth, or maybe it just makes you want to vomit when you think about what it really is. Like a lot of other delicacies, caviar is definitely an acquired taste. People either love it or hate it. And as I've said with lobsters escargot, clams, etc. Who was the first person to actually think about eating it? Cutting open a fish, a sturgeon, and eating its eggs. Yeah, see what I mean? Doesn't sound so appetizing. But when you say caviar, it's like, oh, wow. You know what does sound appetizing? Sour gummy worms. Not made from actual worms. Because today is also National Sour Candy Day. Please feel free to comment on the caviar or on Sour Candy on Twitter at Radio underscore Marino, at Newsmax, at Newsmax Podcasts. Join the conversation. You could also weigh in on the actual news. Two of the world's big headlines today, both involving Ukraine and Russia. Vladimir Putin's promising a quick response for what he called a terrorist attack by Ukraine on a key bridge in Crimea. Ukrainian security officials have claimed responsibility for the drone attack that took out the bridge, killed a couple of people. It links the annexed Crimea Peninsula to the Russian mainland. And the other big story is exactly what we talked about last week, or I talked about last week, and I hope you're paying attention. Russia will not renew the UN-backed Black Sea grain deal. This is serious, meaning it is again blocking or will be blocking critical grain exports through the ports of the Black Sea, threatening the world food supply. Exactly what they were doing last year. And one of the things that the Biden administration pointed to as the cause of inflation, even though the prices never went down after they made the deal, as discussed last week, when Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen was in China, China threatened to cut back on some key components of chip making. You remember that? And Ukrainian President Zelensky was in Turkey talking about the grain agreement, meeting with President Erdogan, who brokered the deal with Russia. I said we could be heading right back to where we were a year, a year and a half ago or more because of the war in Ukraine. So now we're likely to start seeing grain shortages again, unless this whole thing has worked out real quick. And according to China, uh, they could hold back on some key parts of uh, microchips. This is definitely not good. By the way, our special climate envoy, John Kerry, is now in China to try and help improve relations. We both know there are real differences, but we also know 
that from experience, we work at it, we can find the path ahead in ways that resolve these challenges. So why is it exactly that we're basically sucking up to China now? Kerry is the third person from the administration to go to China in as many weeks. There was a lot of talk about China, of course, from the Republican presidential candidates campaigning over the weekend. I highlighted some of those comments, some of those campaigns uh, yesterday, and so did Eric Bowling. You know who did not have a good weekend? I'll tell you who didn't have a good weekend. Mike Pence did not have a good weekend. Starting on Friday, he sat down with Tucker and Tucker in a forum and Tucker, you know, just kind of pressed him on his stance on foreign aid and whatnot. And when he said, well, what is that? How does that relate to the American people? Tucker asked him and his response. And we'll put the screen up right here. That's not my concern. Wow. Laura, take it away. You know, I actually went back and rewatched this, Eric, because I said, how is it possible that Mike Pence could have said something like this? Um, and yet he did. And then you hear the, the rest of his answer to the question. The truth is that there are a lot of people who are running for president on the Republican side. I mean, this field is so big and it's it's growing. It feels like by the day. And people want, you know, a couple of things. They want to elevate their name. They want to run for vice president in many respects. But I think what the, you know, the turning point speech from my father-in-law showed us, as well as a lot of these interviews that Tucker did over the weekend and on Friday showed people, is that there is one person who is ready for the job of president of the United States running for the Republican ticket. That, of course, is Donald J. Trump. He is the head of this party. He changed this party. No one can dispute it. And everyone, by the the way, who is running for the Republican side of the ticket is running on the platforms that Donald Trump put in place. So I think this this weekend, if there was any question who will be the Republican nominee, you know, now it's Donald J. Trump. Laura Trump on the balance last night with Eric Bowling. If you missed yesterday's edition of the Chris Salcedo show, you missed a spectacular show. I saw Sound of Freedom over the weekend. I experienced a whole range of emotions. Through this fact-based film, an emotional film, I, I cried, I was despondent, yes, I laughed. Then I figuratively looked in the mirror. Uh, am I doing enough, I asked myself. And then I got angry, I got very angry. Not only at those who have promoted and created an atmosphere for the sexual exploitation of children, but at those who are turning a blind eye to it and trying to convince others to turn a blind eye to it as well, all in an effort to help the left-wing party in this country. Evil, the perpetrators and the enablers. That's our focus in today's preamble. Harvey Weinstein, he was a sexual predator who targeted women. It was an open secret in Hollywood and Democrat circles for decades. But his reign of terror was allowed to go on because so-called news organizations refused to report on the myriad allegations. Why? Well, he was a big Democrat donor. Chris went on to talk about how Jeffrey Epstein's stories were squashed by some media outlets, more about the movie Sound of Freedom, and gave some examples of how some media is criticizing the movie. In a recent interview, Tim Ballard, the agent on which the movie is based, said the real question should be why these folks at places like CNN want to run interference for child predators. Mr. Ballard said the film was accurate and real because he was there. 
I think Americans should start to ask serious questions about MSNBS, CNN, and other networks who would bury such an important story, all in an effort to once again protect Democrats from being held accountable for their policies that harm so many, in this case, bolstering the sexual exploitation of children into the United States. And shame on you, Abby Phillip, for your lying to your audience. What a low rent and classless thing for a leftist to do when children's lives are at stake. But the GOP, they're not too far behind CNN, are they? Let's see. From cocaine and pot of the White House to credible accusations of criminal foreign influence peddling to Dr. Fauci having been proven to have lied under oath to Adam Schiff escaping a financial penalty for weaponizing the Intelligence Committee against our own people. It seems Washington, including the Republican Party, are hell-bent on making sure Democrats pay no price for their lawless abuse. Chris Salcedo, host of The Chris Salcedo Show, weekday afternoons at 4 o'clock Eastern on Newsmax. Again, a must-watch Newsmax show. Meanwhile, on Capitol Hill Monday... This isn't the first person in the Democratic conference that has continued to make anti-Semitic comments. We've watched what they have continually to do. There are a number of them over there. I think if the Democrats want to believe that they do not have a conference that continues to make anti-Semitic remarks, they need to do something about it. Because they've defended these individuals time and again. The only time action has ever been taken is when we had to take the action. I think this is a role for the leader, Hakeem, to prove that, no, they're not anti-Semitic. And they cannot allow their members to continue to say what they have said in the past. That's how Speaker Kevin McCarthy responding to comments that Washington Congresswoman Jayapal made about Israel. You may recall a segment that I featured last week with Senator Ted Cruz calling out the Biden administration for its behavior towards Israel. For more context and reaction, we go to American Agenda with Bob Sellers. Speaker McCarthy taking issue in this case uh, with anti-Semitic comments, especially by um, Congresswoman Jayapal, uh, describing uh, Israel as a racist state. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's bringing up some other instances where the so-called squad, members of the squad, had been uh, anti-Israel. And what a lot of people feel is just flat out anti-Semitic. Uh, we will continue to follow that. But let's bring in uh, somebody to talk about this and some other issues. Uh, Kat Kamek, Congresswoman from Florida. Uh, Congresswoman, uh, I, I wanted to get your immediate response to what we just heard uh, the speaker talking about. Well, it's good to see you, Bob and Katrina. You know, it, it's pretty shocking over the weekend to hear those remarks from my colleague on the left, but I'm not really surprised. We have heard anti-Semitic remarks coming from the Democratic caucus before. And what remains to be seen is, like Speaker McCarthy said, whether or not the Democrat caucus will take action. You know, coming into the 24 election, we are seeing people really drawing these dividing lines. And Jaya Paul was very, very quick to say that Israel is a racist state on the heels of the visit from President of Israel Herzog. And so I'm very, uh, 
disgusted by the fact that this was said. Uh, I've, I've been concerned about the rhetoric coming out of the more progressive liberal wing of the Democratic caucus for some time. But it's not Republicans who should be charged with fixing it. It's within their own party. And they need to call it out and they need to actually make amends because we recognize Israel as a, a state we recognize their existence, their right to exist. And as the lone democratic uh, country in the Middle East, we have those shared Judeo-Christian values that we need to continue to uphold. So this, I think, was just another slap in the face to the Jewish community um, here at home, but also abroad. Florida Congresswoman Kat Kamak on American Agenda. Now, Representative Jayapal, who heads a group of progressive Democrats in Congress, did apologize for calling Israel a racist state, as some Democrats did push back against her comments. She said she does not believe Israel as a nation is racist, but believes that Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's extreme right-wing government has engaged in discriminatory and racist policies that are extreme. That's like their favorite word now, extreme MAGA, extreme policies, extreme racism. And a new week brings another new development in the Hunter Biden saga. More from Bianca De La Garza on John Bachman now. We have an update on the Hunter Biden investigation. We're learning the president's son tried to help secure a United States visa for a Ukrainian oligarch. The Washington Examiner says he claims to have been the foreign national involved in a suspected criminal bribery scheme involving President Joe Biden and Hunter. According to emails uncovered on Hunter Biden's laptop between 2014 and 2016, Hunter coordinated with then business associates to provide assistance to Mykola Ziobchensky. He's the founder of the Ukraine. Ukrainian energy firm Burisma. They were apparently helping him to reapply for a visa after he had his revoked by the State Department in 2012. And the new details come after, according to the examiner, Zolchevsky purportedly discussed a $5 million bribe uh, to be paid to Hunter Biden and another $5 million to Joe Biden. The House Oversight Committee's investigation involves an FBI, what's called a 1023 informant form, said to detail the bribery allegations. Now, Republican lawmakers say this shows that then-Vice President Joe Biden's efforts to pressure Ukraine's government to fire Viktor Shokin. He was a prosecutor uh, who was investigating Burisma. Joining us now to discuss this and more, Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson, who has been investigating the Biden family's foreign businesses for years. Welcome in, Senator. Good to see you. Well, guys, hope you're doing well. We are doing okay. Uh, uh, it's a busy week ahead. We know, Senator Johnson, those IRS whistleblowers will be coming in. Uh, the DOJ and Prosecutor David Weiss have really disputed their claims about interference. Um, so do you think this hearing Wednesday will settle the stories now and, and reveal who's been telling the truth in all this? Yeah, exactly what the truth is is often difficult to discern. Uh, it's, these, diff these investigations are difficult. Uh, you get one piece of the puzzle at a time. You need to start assembling them. I think in, in so many instances, uh, Senator Grassley is in my report pretty well laid out in, in broad strokes the vast web of foreign financial entanglements of the, of the Bidens. I, I certainly didn't need any more information to convince me that the, Joe Biden would be compromised as president, would be totally unfit for office. Uh, I'm not sure how many additional puzzle pieces will be required before the media will admit they were wrong to be base, you know, backing Joe Biden. Uh, there may, it may never be possible to convince the media, but I think any American that would take a look at uh, the, the mounting evidence would certainly say that uh, Joe Biden knew all kinds of things about Hunter Biden's uh, 
uh, overseas business deals. He spoke with them probably frequently about it, uh, was involved in them. Uh, this is a fairly corrupt family. Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson on Newsmax, echoing the sentiment of many in Washington. Again, that House hearing with the whistleblowers, the IRS whistleblowers, scheduled for tomorrow, Wednesday. And also happening on Capitol Hill, the Republican-led House is planning to hold another hearing on UFOs, or as they call them now, unidentified aerial phenomena. Congressman Tim Burchett on National Report. Is there anything that could come out of this hearing that the public might not already know? Your thoughts? Yeah, I think so. We're going to bring in some expert witnesses, I believe. Um, and uh, they're professional people. They're not just somebody that is some random person that, that comes off the street. Um, you know, we've got military pilots who've had sightings and things like that. I, I think the thing we got to focus on, though, is just transparency. Uh, I know the Pentagon is probably watching the opinion polls and noticing that over 55 percent of the population believes that that we're not alone. So um, they realize that they they're basically unchecked in their spending and their ability to, to garner money from Congress. And I don't want them to get any more dad got money. I just want them to release the unredacted files. Let's let's get the truth out there and let the American public decide. You're looking at the uh, the. Uh, Tic-tac, some of the Tic Tac videos hopefully have one of the pilots who was who was actually filming those craft at that time um, in our in our hearing. Hopefully, you know, but we're getting blowback from the Pentagon and some of the other alphabet agencies that have backed out from us. I think NASA blacked out on us, um, and so I and I get it. They don't want to talk, but you know, we're the country's checkbook. Congress needs to get some guts and start flexing our muscle a little bit and releasing some of these files. Obviously, aside from the curiosity from the American public, uh, there is a due diligence there that is a responsibility, and we get that. You talked about pushback. There has been pushback, even a Republican member of the House Oversight Committee telling Politico anonymously, by the way, uh, quote, there are some people who want to stop it. There are some people who <coughs> want to do it. There's just internal machinations between staff and members. Some don't want to do it at this time right now. They think it's a bad idea, unquote. What do you say to that as someone who actually does want to see this happen, Congressman? Well, I think you're seeing the swamp in play. It's in both parties. You have staff trying to run the thing and trying to basically trying to, to crash the whole the whole meeting, um, trying to, to make it so it won't happen or discredit it to the point. You know, that, that's what that's what a hearing is for. It's not for staffers or lobbyists to make some decision. It's for Congress to call these people in and decide if they are legitimate or, or not legitimate, in fact. So I, I, I'm not afraid of the American public knowing what's going on. And, and this is just another indication that we're over the target. Over the target. Interesting choice of words from Tennessee Rep. Tim Burchett on National Report with Sean Kreisman. That hearing would be at the end of the month at the White House today. President Biden has a bilateral meeting with President Herzog of Israel while Congress argues over anti-Semitic comments. Very nice. Then the president meets with Cardinal Matteo Zuppe, the president of the Italian Episcopal Conference, about the suffering caused by the Russian invasion of Ukraine.
It looks like Wall Street may be suffering a little bit today on word of that Black Sea grain deal that I mentioned earlier. Markets are slightly lower. The big news there, however, is Bank of America profits were up 19% as the big banks continue to rake it in at the expense of the smaller regional banks. Bank of America, the third or fourth big bank that has posted very positive earnings this week, and Bank of America is the largest bank in America. You may or may not know that last year I lived in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is the home of Bank of America and Bank of America Stadium. And a 22-year-old Connecticut man was arrested for a post threatening to kill Florida governor and Republican presidential candidate Ron DeSantis. Brendan Hughes told police that he hates DeSantis, but his threatening comment was only a joke, and he pointed out the fact that he has no access to any firearms. And get this, he's free... Not on bail, but on a promise to appear in court on August the 18th. That is in Connecticut. And I'm sad to see this today. 2003 Kentucky Derby winner Funny Side, who also won the Preakness that same year, a near triple crown winner, has died. The owners of Funny Side, an absolutely beautiful animal, as most horses are, used to keep him in Florida during the winter. I had a personal connection to his trainers and the stable. I have some pictures of him hanging in my home office, which I put on Twitter. And again, you can join the conversation about any of the day's news on Twitter. And don't forget, Newsmax is available on most major cable systems, AT&T, Xfinity, Fios, Comcast, Spectrum, DirecTV, and more, and your favorite platforms like Amazon, Roku, Apple TV, and more. Thank you for listening to Newsmax Daily. I'm Tony Marino. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. See you back here tomorrow, and keep on fighting the good fight. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere.